From our offices in Washington, D.C., this is Everything About Hydrogen. I am Andrew Leadham, Associate Director here at Inspiratia, and I am joined by my incomparable co-host, Patrick Malloy of the Rocky Mountain Institute, just down the road from me in Washington, and Chris Jackson at Proteum over in London. On today's episode, we will be speaking with Trevor Best. Trevor is the CEO and co-founder of Syzygy Plasmonics in Houston, Texas, and we are looking forward to hearing exactly what it is they do there. We hope you enjoy, and with that, let's get started. All right, guys. So Katie has informed me that my general question of how you guys are doing every week is super boring for our listeners. So we're going to change things up this time around. Uh, Chris, what is your fun fact of the week, your hydrogen story of the week? What do you want to highlight to start? Um, I I guess the maybe hydrogen story of the week that I thought was a fun story was um, hydrogen production um, site being put into Saudi Arabia by Air Products. Um, And I think what I found exciting about that is, you know, this site's going to be running from 2025 and it means we could actually have green hydrogen exported in the form of ammonia arriving in Europe and arriving in other parts of Asia from the mid-2020s. And I think that is so much earlier than anyone could possibly have envisaged with so much money and resources behind it already, um, that that is extremely exciting to me. All right, off to a good start. Patrick, over to you, buddy. I think that is the the story of the week, though, right? Like, that's the the huge, huge thing. It seems to be the real deal, and it's incredibly, incredibly exciting because, you know, there's an awful lot of talk about whether this is another hype cycle for hydrogen right now with, with, you know, various kind of large funding rounds and, and a lot of excitement well this is something tangible so yeah i think i think that's the, the take for the week basically patrick is is just bailing out because he's uh, he's actually secretly been betraying hydrogen and going and studying some other weird and wonderful thing like uh plasmonics which you can explain to our listeners patrick very well done nice transition chris i see what's happening here all right that was that was excellent all right patrick over to you buddy yeah, so so uh, given given that we haven't in- introduced them yet, in our in our efforts to talk to the the new and emerging uh, trends and, and themes in this in the hydrogen space, uh, we're going to be joined today by by Trevor Best from uh, Syzygy Plasmonics. Syzygy is a, a company that has developed a photocatalytic technology and uh, uses kind of a combination of that and and uh, that catalyst and and plasmons to uh, create a chemical reactor that allows you to produce hydrogen. So I'll let Trevor go into the details, but what's, what's really interesting about this is it, it essentially changes the, the mechanism for, for separating molecules. Typically, when we, we talk about this, we've talked about steam use, right? So thermal, thermal separation. And um, as a consequence of this, you're not actually burning any natural gas. You're not you know, using a feedstock to generate the, the heat for separating the molecules. So it actually addresses a nice chunk of potential emissions and it also has some really really cool applications uh, and as a follow-on to our our kind of recent work in uh, in the the kind of smr episodes these sort of innovations are are kind of the the key thing for uh, kind of evolving and, and developing the sector and and scaling it fast so really exciting stuff um i'm sure trevor can talk to us about the uh, the specific applications that they have in mind but also the the kind of exciting aspects that a, a photocatalytic kind of process can actually uh, can actually achieve very cool man I think I probably understood about half of that, or maybe less than half. Maybe I'm generous. Maybe a tenth of that. So I am excited as hell to to learn <laughs> more about this and to get my head around exactly why uh, it hooked your interest, Patrick. I have a follow up question for you, Patrick. Obviously. Chris and I know exactly what the definition of a syzygy is, but uh, I just want to make sure that you know as well. Can you quickly tell me what that means? Isn't that the uh, the alignment of what three? What is it? The alignment, the conjunction. That's the word for it. Hey, Trevor, how are you? Good morning, guys. Hey, Trevor. Good, good. How's it going? 
Welcome to the uh, call. Your timing was good. We were just asking Patrick to explain what syzygy actually means. I thought we put him on the spot. So actually, Patrick, why don't you finish and then Trevor can tell you if you're on the mark. Yeah, it's, it, it was, I'm, I'm going to get it probably slightly wrong, but it's, uh, it's, it's the kind of conjunction of the, the, the sun, the moon, and, and I, I think, I think that's probably it, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, the alignment in astronomy, right? Of, of, is it two or three celestial bodies? I think it might be three, but. It is three. Yeah, you, you are spot on, sir. It is any three celestial bodies. However, like if you're thinking about great examples, like an eclipse is the perfect example, you know, sun, moon, earth in a straight line, that is a syzygy. And so for us, syzygy is the alignment of three things that are shaping the future, energy, technology, sustainability. Where those three things line up, then you get our company, Syzygy. That is a great, great marketing name. God, your marketing team must love that. Trevor, that just, yeah, you're the first, you're the first guest who's had to just jump directly into a question without a debriefing or very well done. That was, uh, that was, that was pro level stuff. Oh, come on. I, I live for this, man. I was, I was born ready. Awesome. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So Trevor, um, can you give us a bit of background on, on Syzygy and, and, and I suppose how you got involved in the hydrogen space? Yeah. So, uh, I think, if you want to understand the story of Syzygy, you have to understand uh, where my co-founder and I came from when we started the company. Uh, my co-founder is uh, Dr. Suman Kadiwada. He's a very, very talented individual. And uh, he and I were working together in the oil and gas industry. And uh, we were working at the R&D division of a very large uh, oil field equipment supplier. So we were both very, very comfortable with research and development. Uh, I worked more on the, uh, you know, project management quality control side. So like five mile high view, I interacted with, you know, lots and lots of projects. He was an R&D scientist. And so he was really on the ground floor in, uh, you know, developing new materials and things for, for downhole applications. Well, uh, we get this wild idea that we are going to change our industry from the inside out. And so we started really digging into, you know, how do you control emissions at the well site? How do you manage this transition to green energy from inside the oil and gas industry? And uh, mind you, this is back in 2016. And eventually we were told, you know, please cease and desist. Uh, you know, emissions are not a top priority. Uh, we need to focus on getting oil out of the ground. And uh, well, you know, Dr. Kadiwada and I were not going to be discouraged. We decided to take it upon ourselves to go out and do a technology search. And uh, we decided that we were going to find a technology that could have a huge positive social impact, uh, but also disrupt the status quo and, and bring a lot of uh, strong returns for our investors. And uh, we looked at dozens of different technologies, you know, from concentrated solar to, you know, implantable med tech devices. And uh, ultimately, we found this very, very unique special technology uh, called the Antenna Reactor Photocatalyst at Rice University. And uh, it was a new type of photocatalyst. It was a platform technology. And uh, we go, oh, this is interesting. You know, we called up the professors. Hey, what are you working on? You know, how well does it work? What are you seeing? And uh, we started talking to them. We spent uh, about six or seven months really trying to break the technology. We had a lot of experience in R&D. We're like, why won't this work? Why won't it, you know, what's going to go wrong? How much does it cost to scale up? What kind of metrics do you get? You know, how do those relate to, you know, the chemical engineering industry? Would a customer buy this? What's the market? You know, all the questions. And uh, after doing everything we could to kill this idea, we, we started to realize like, oh my goodness, we can't kill this thing. It, it might actually work. And then, then you get the, the fun realization that like, hey, if I was really serious about this the whole time, I need to uh, quit my job and start this company. So we did that. Uh, having a platform technology is interesting. We realized that this could be applied to fertilizer. It could be applied to you know, other you know, raw commodity chemicals. And so we started really looking at the market and we realized that hydrogen is a huge potential. It is a growing opportunity. There are a wide variety of use cases, especially like small-scale distributed, where we have a very strong value proposition. Hydrogen had a very healthy market there. And uh, most importantly, we were looking at the uh, International Panel of Climate Change, you know, their, their uh, you know, call that we need to make some serious change by 2030. And we started looking at, you know, other publications that are coming out, basically saying we can't, <laughs> 
hit our goals without bringing in hydrogen. And we realized that, you know, our technology combined with the hydrogen market had all those characteristics we were looking for. It could be massively disruptive and it could have a huge positive, you know, impact on, on the world's fight on carbon emissions. And so ultimately that is uh, how we got into this and why, uh, why we chose hydrogen as our first salvo into the market. Uh, just a question I have to ask on that one. I mean, because uh, this is a very complicated area for, I think, a lot of people, certainly me and Andrew as well. I think Patrick says he's more confident. We will find out how true that is as we go through this episode. Um, when you say a platform technology, just to be very clear, um, what you are referring to is that hydrogen is, is simply one of several potential uses for this technology. So this technology is a photocatalytic technology which could be applied to multiple sectors. It's just that the first sector that you have identified is hydrogen. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. And well, if you talk about sectors, like we do chemical reactions. And so if you're thinking about the sectors that we would play in, that is, you know, energy, uh, energy being, you know, uh, fuels and things that, that, you know, provide energy for transportation and, uh, you know, chemicals, raw commodity chemical products. And so when we talk about this being a platform technology, it can be applied to many different types of chemical reactions, the chemical reactions that make fuel, the chemical reactions that make fertilizer, the chemical reactions that make, you know, base materials for plastic, paint, and, and many of the other you know, products that, that we see around us every day in our lives. And so whenever I talk about being a platform technology, it can apply to more than just one type of application. And Trevor, run it, running with that, can you give us a quick overview of your technology and what makes this different from any of the other approaches? Yeah. And so at the most fundamental level, what makes us uh, very different from everyone else is that our technology is all based on photocatalysis. And what that means is that we do these chemical reactions you know, that make hydrogen or other products. We, we perform these chemical reactions using light instead of heat that comes from burning fuel. And so this is an entirely different way of doing chemical reactions in the most fundamental ways. And so uh, if you actually want to get like really down into the science, you know, we are changing what is happening at the atomic, you know, at the quantum level to make these chemical reactions happen compared to how everyone else does them. Uh, and if you'd like, I can give a much deeper dive that talks about like what kind of lights we use, talks about how we integrate those in to, to energize our catalyst. You know, I'd be happy to do that right now if this is a good time. I, I'd say go for it. I, I, have, I have absolutely no objection. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of using light rather than heat, I think, just needs some explaining for people to get their head around. So, yeah, I say yeah. go for it, Trevor. This is this is your platform to, to explain, man. Go for it. Fantastic. So uh, when you start using light, you, know, you first have a question. Do you want to use sunlight or artificial light? And uh, we have chosen to go the artificial light route. Uh, the reason for that is... Sunlight is very difficult to use effectively for commercial purposes. And that's because the sun is only up eight hours a day. And if you get a cloudy week, then, uh, then you can't, you aren't getting energy to, to run your reactor. And so we looked at the markets, you know, people need hydrogen when they need hydrogen. They don't need hydrogen just when the sun is up. So we have taken a route of using artificial light. Uh, we are using some of the world's most advanced LEDs to provide that light inside of our reactor. And so not only is there this you know, revolutionary new science around our photocatalyst, also you know, LED science has progressed to a point where suddenly you can get LEDs that are efficient enough that you can actually use them as energy transmission devices. And so we're, we're feeding you know, electrons into our LEDs and those LEDs are creating photons of light that illuminate our catalyst. And uh, whenever I say that our LEDs are very advanced, you have quite literally never seen anything like this before. In fact, if you looked at one, you would immediately go blind. But uh, that's another story. So doing things this way, you know, illuminating our catalyst with LEDs gives us a number of benefits. You know, basically, we can uh, illuminate or power our LEDs with renewable electricity, and that eliminates the need to burn fuel. And because we aren't burning fuel, we are able to dramatically reduce the carbon emissions 
associated with our process. Uh, also, because uh, we don't need to burn fuel, our reactors work at very low temperature. And so when you think about our reactor, it's basically like a mirror box filled with these lights. But the entire scaffolding, you know, what it's built out of things like aluminum, you know, glass, plastic. If you compare that against, you know, traditional industry, they build things out of nickel and chrome. You know, it allows us to achieve you know, tremendous cost reductions in, in capital expenditure versus other technologies. And finally, the system becomes incredibly easy to operate. And so when you turn the lights on, the system starts. When you turn them off, it stops. If you want to start or stop a refinery today, that can take 24 to 48 hours. We are currently powering up or powering down our reactor in seconds, which is a huge difference. It allows us to do things like grid following. It allows us you know, very simple and easy maintenance cycles. You know, If you need to get in and fix something, you can power everything down. And a few minutes later, open up the reactor and fix it. It's just not something you can do in industry today. And so at the end of the day, what you get with this is a system that is you know, very low capital cost because it's built out of very low cost materials, very easy to operate and uh, very easy to maintain. Uh, when we look at our technology, we are projecting a 50% uh, reduction versus traditional small scale SMR or electrolysis. You know, after we're in the market and you know, we've hit you know, mass manufacturing at scale, we see that we are going to be the low cost provider for hydrogen. So that's one side of it. Another side that's very important to think on is, you know, the types of feedstocks we can use to make hydrogen. And this is where things get very exciting. So we can use two different feedstocks in our system to make hydrogen. One is methane and one is ammonia. I'm going to talk about ammonia first. So ammonia to hydrogen is currently being funded by the Department of Energy's RPE program. Uh, it's a very prestigious grant program. Uh, we are very thankful for them. They've been tremendous supporters of our company. And uh, we see this reaction uh, being able to make a huge impact in parts of the world that don't have a lot of access to natural resources. So places that don't have a lot of natural gas, that don't have a whole lot of land to install solar, you know, or wind capacity. Uh, some really prime examples would be, you know, Japan or Korea, you know, very interested in hydrogen, but uh, don't quite have the level of natural resources that the U.S. or Australia has. So ammonia, very easy to ship. You can you know, make renewable ammonia in Australia, ship it to Japan, and use our system to turn it into hydrogen whenever it gets there. Uh, the other way, and ammonia has no carbon in it, so uh, you know, zero emission hydrogen from ammonia. Uh, the other way is hydrogen from methane. And we're equally excited about this because methane is, is a very abundant resource. But, but not only that, it's also a huge problem. You know, there are landfills, there are dairy farms, uh, there are you know, human operations that release a lot of methane into the atmosphere. It actually causes a, a pretty significant amount of global carbon emissions every year. Uh, our system is able to take that methane and utilize it and turn it into hydrogen uh, for very low energy costs. Now, the reason why we're so excited about this isn't because we can make hydrogen from methane. Humans have been able to do that for a very long time. It's because we are seeing the potential to make zero emission hydrogen from methane. And, uh, as I mentioned, we have a platform technology. We have found that we are very, very good at uh, dealing with carbon dioxide and turning it back into useful products. And so what we are starting to see is we can build our system in a way that allows us to you know, have the methane stream come in and we process that methane and get the hydrogen out. But where you would usually have a CO2 stream that would get emitted to the atmosphere, we are actually able to run that you know, very simply through another Syzygy reactor and create another product. And so this would be something like methanol or dimethyl ether, methyl formate, you know, something that's interesting for the chemical industry. And what you end up getting is you know, hydrogen that was made without any emissions going into the atmosphere. And all that carbon gets sequestered into another product that was also made without any emissions going into the atmosphere. And so from methane, you can get hydrogen plus something. And uh, we are hoping that we can roll that out uh, near simultaneously with our first systems. And that would be you know, revolutionary for the world. Low-cost hydrogen, low-cost green products that the world needs. And uh, we're, we're very excited to, to be working on this. So uh, I'm going to massively simplify um, what I think was an extremely interesting conversation. And you're going <laughs> to probably hate the comparison, but just bear with me on this. So it's okay. essentially... 
if I'm trying, you know, I think most public and most listeners just about understand what an electrolyzer does. You take renewable power in, you take water and you split and you end up with hydrogen oxygen. In a nutshell, your system is actually following a very similar process in that I take renewable power, I take a source of hydrogen, whether that is ammonia or methane, and then I use light to stimulate the reaction. And so effectively the power is provided, is, so the power that I'm taking in is then going through into the lighting systems and the LEDs, and the LEDs are then affecting the reactor, and that's what's then causing the split in the chemical process. Very bad, but high level, is that broadly there? Well, high level, that's, that's correct. Right. One okay. thing that's important that I probably didn't highlight when I was talking was the energy required to do each. Because we get asked a lot, you know, why, why don't you just use an electrolyzer? You can get hydrogen out of water. And that's because uh, water is a very, very happy, stable thing. And it takes a lot of energy to get water to separate into hydrogen and oxygen. Uh, right now, best in class electrolyzers use around 50 kilowatt hours per kilogram of hydrogen. We are seeing our systems have the potential to use less than 20 kilowatt hours per kilogram. And so that is a massive, massive reduction in uh, energy requirement to make this happen. And so if you look at, you know, our systems end of the day, fully commercialized, we're talking, you know, 2025, we've got, you know, hundreds of units out in the field. Uh, we are using less than 20 kilowatt hours per kilogram of hydrogen. Uh, that is, you know, about half of the theoretical minimum that electrolysis can hit. And that is one of the reasons why we're so excited about this technology. So if you have limited electrical supply, you can maximize the amount of hydrogen you're getting out. Okay, so let's let's get into this this piece. So you know, I've done the very I tried to mask your very very nice detailed example into something very simple, and by basically saying the light hits something in the box and the conversion happens. But more fundamentally, I, myself and I imagine many of our listeners are not very familiar with plasmonics, and so perhaps maybe you can kind of walk us through what actually are plasmons and what on earth do they have to do with this process? How does that actually fit into this piece? Yeah, so I'm going to try and do this conceptually without getting too scientific. I found if we get too scientific, you have to you know, get people a cup of coffee so they don't go to sleep. So when you think about you know, what we're doing, I mentioned that, that we use photocatalysis. And specifically, what we're using is a plasmonic photocatal uh, photocatalyst. To explain what a plasmon is, I'm going to ask you to try and visualize our catalyst. And so our catalyst is, you know, a nanoparticle catalyst. And so you, you basically want to visualize like a really, really, really tiny sphere, uh, like a soccer ball. So picture a soccer ball in your head. Uh, this is so tiny that you could fit billions or trillions of them onto one of your fingernails. So the nanoparticles that Syzygy makes actually have two different parts, just like the soccer ball. You have the white ball with the black spots. For our catalyst, the ball itself is the plasmonic nanoparticle, and the black hexagons on the soccer ball are the catalyst which enable us to perform the chemical reaction. Now, that plasmonic nanoparticle, the ball, is very special. It is a near-perfect light harvester. And what that means is that if you send a photon of light in its direction, it will interact with that photon. And... Uh, to very specifically answer your question, you know, the plasmon is an excitation of the uh, electrical field of that nanoparticle. And so basically all of the electrons on the, the soccer ball will get excited and they'll start jumping around like a pebble hitting the water of a lake. In this case, the pebble is a photon. So that photon of light hits our nanoparticle, the soccer ball, and the waves that propagate out from where that photon hit our soccer ball are the excited electrons. And uh, that wave propagation along the surface of our nanoparticle is actually you know, what the plasmon is. So it's this you know, wave of, of energy propagating out from where the photon hit. So what is really cool about our photocatalyst is that wave interacts with the catalyst on the outside of the nanoparticle. These are the black spots on the soccer ball and it gives them energy. And that energy allows them to perform chemical reactions. And so when you think at the most fundamental level, what happens is you have photons hitting our, our, cat, our you know, plasmonic nanoparticles. It is making these waves of energy ripple across 
the nanoparticles, those waves of energy are energizing our catalysts and our catalysts are, are performing the chemical reactions that we do. And this is happening, you know, billions, trillions of times per second. Uh, it's happening so many times, uh, the number is so large that it doesn't make sense as a number. And uh, that is, you know, what a plasmon is and how we use it to do work. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and declare the soccer ball metaphor a huge success, Trevor. It was a, it was a, a, a good a good way to go about it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, and on the on another from the business angle, right? As as a startup that has recently secured Series A funding, you know, what are the next steps in developing the company, uh, and where where do you guys see uh, your solution? Uh, as a best fit in future markets. And just add into Andrews, just to recap, people who don't know, can you maybe tell us how much you raised on Series A and who actually backed you, if, you, if that's something you can mention? Yeah, sure, I, I would love to. You know, we're very, very proud of our investors. You know, they're they're amazing. Uh, we wouldn't be here without their support. So, so I love to you know get on my soapbox and talk about how great they are. Uh, so we raised our Series A in two parts. Uh, the first part was in August. Uh, 2019. And in that chunk, we raised 6.3 million. Uh, that was uh, co-led by two groups. One was Goose Capital out of Houston, and the other was the engine out of MIT. So the engine out of MIT is a very, very special fund. Uh, they, they are backed by MIT, and uh, they had primarily been investing in companies around Boston. And so in you know, the past year, they started getting interested in, you know, what is happening in the, you know, tough tech and hard tech space outside of Boston. Uh, they met us. Uh, they really loved what we were working on. And the rest is history. They've been tremendous supporters of us since we first met. Uh, the other one, uh, Goose Capital, they are out of Houston, Texas. So where we're from, they traditionally back the Rice Business Plan competition, if you have ever heard of that. Uh, they are a group of uh, very successful entrepreneurs here in Houston. Uh, you know, Rod Canyon, who started uh, Compact Computers, uh, Jay Collins, who, who's you know on the board of Oceaneering, uh, Jeff Smizek, who, who was the CEO of uh, you know United during the merger with Continental. Uh, these are all you know members of Goose Society. Uh, also, Evoke Innovations. Uh, Evoke was also in on our seed round. They are an incredible fund. Uh, based out of Canada, uh, backed by uh, Suncor and Synovus. You know, Mike and Marty over there have been really fantastic and, you know, helped me grow as an entrepreneur. And then uh, also Sumitomo came in during the first phase. And uh, Sumitomo has been a player that is very interested, uh, Sumitomo Corporation of Americas, they've been a player that's very interested in hydrogen. And uh, I am really impressed with their foresight and their ability to see what's coming. And so we've been uh, you know, working with them and we're very excited to have them on board too. Uh, we did an extension in November to bring the total money we raised up to 9.7 million. And in that extension, we brought on Horizons Ventures. So Horizons is the uh, personal fund of uh, Mr. Lee Ka-Shing and uh, Mrs. Selena Chow. Uh, Mrs., uh, Mr. Lee Ka-Shing is known as Superman Lee and he is uh, colloquially known as the richest man in Hong Kong. And so uh, he is a incredible philanthropist, supports education, clean energy, and, and we're very, very happy to have him on board. So what we, we've been doing with that money, we have grown from five people to 22. Uh, we have moved into a new lab space and built out uh, a you know, tremendous amount of new capacity to do tests. And ultimately what we're doing with it is you know, raising or scaling our technology and improving the optimization of our reactor. So making it more efficient, uh, making it so that we can produce more product out of a smaller area. Uh, this might be a good time to go into kind of how our technology works and where we're at, because that allows me to talk about like milestones that we're trying to achieve with the money we raise. So when you think about our tech, I talked about, you know, these, uh, you know, hydrogen producing systems. I talked about the uh, you know, way plasmonic nanoparticles work. But uh, if you visualized our reactor, uh, you basically have a mirror box with, with tubes inside. Each one of the tube is a photocatalytic cell that holds our catalyst. And that is the smallest functional unit of our technology. The reactor, you know, this mirror box with the lights and, and you know, the infrastructure to deliver gas and electricity to, to the components inside the reactor, that is uh, 
you know, a very important piece in the primary development that the company's working on. Uh, after this, you get a reformer, which is many reactors put together. And then finally, you get a system, which is the reformer and all the other components that are necessary to create high purity hydrogen. So when we went to raise money, uh, we had a working single cell reactor. So we had one cell inside a mirror box that was producing results unlike anything else seen <laughs> in the world to date. Uh, we raised money and now we are using that to build a multi-cell reactor. So many, many cells inside a mirror box. Uh, we're working on building our first uh, multi-cell reactors now. Uh, after we have the multi-cell reactor built and working, it's pretty simple to combine many together into a reformer and build uh, you know, our first demonstration system. So right now, what we're doing with the money is we are going from single cell to multi-cell and actually uh, we are gonna be going to demonstration system next year. Uh, next year, we'll be building our first demo system and uh, the year after that, we're planning on uh, pursuing field trials with customers. And so if everything goes according to plan, which as we all know, it always does, uh, that, that is our timeline and uh, what we will be doing with the money. Okay, and, and thank you. I think it's, you know, I think that actually does help a lot to kind of get a sense of things. Uh, one thing is actually, I mean, it's obviously quite a complex area to explain to people, and that's probably why we've had to ask you so many questions to talk through it. What's been the reception like when you've had to go to investors and try and explain what you guys do? I mean, we, before the show, we kind of turned over a few stones to see what else we could kind of dig up. And the only other company I came across that was similar was a company called NOCell in Scotland that's kind of working in a similar space. So it doesn't look like there's a lot of companies at the moment that investors would have potentially come across. What were kind of the questions and I guess the challenges um, that you have when trying to explain the technology to them? Um, and you know, what applications for the technology seem to get the best response from them, get people most excited? Well, I think uh, to answer this in two parts, you know, there's the explaining the technology and there's, there's the applications. So explaining the technology, when we first started the company, the first few months of fundraising were really rough. Uh, I was way, way too technical. I would go in and be like, hey, we've got a, this plasmonic photocatalyst and we can, you know, elicit hot electron transfer by, you know, sending photons of the right wavelength. And, you know, everybody went to sleep. <laughs> no, nobody really cared. Uh, we had to learn to transition our pitch over time to talk less about the technology and more about the applications, which I'll get into on a second. Another thing has happened over the course of the company. And uh, that is, you know, I'll sum it up basically as third party validation. Uh, our catalyst has now been published in uh, Nature, uh, I think twice. It has been published, uh, well, altogether, the Antenna Reactor Photocatalyst has been published in Nature three times. It has been published in uh, Science. Uh, these are very, very prestigious academic journals that have a very rigorous peer review process. So whenever uh, whenever I go talk about our catalyst, you know, I'm like, hey, uh, this works in a completely different way. We use light instead of heat. And uh, if, if you want to know that somebody has, has looked at this and validated it, here are these papers from Nature and Science. We've also won the grants from uh, Department of Energy, National Science Foundation. And, and that has allowed me to uh, basically show that others have done due diligence on the technology and it works and allowed me more to focus on how we can apply it in the market. So those applications that you mentioned, uh, we see our technology being able to scale to pretty much any size over time. However, uh, if you look at you know large scale industry, you know refineries, ammonia plants, uh, they are very very risk averse. They don't like to try new things. They like to make sure that it works before you you know, commit a huge investment and build out a large plant. And uh, we're sensitive to this, you know, of course. So we see ourselves starting with small distributed applications. And the most excited small distributed application for hydrogen right now is definitely in the transportation space. Uh, hydrogen can help to address issues that batteries see in certain applications. Uh, we see this being especially true for heavier in industrial vehicles. So you know, people ask me a lot, like, oh, do you think everyone's gonna be driving a hydrogen car around? And me personally, I don't like Tesla's absolutely crushing it. Every car manufacturer on earth is working on, you know, battery powered vehicles, their charging state charging stations going up everywhere. I do think that, you know, there will be passengers driving, you know, passenger vehicles 
that run on hydrogen, but I don't think it's going to be the majority. Now you look at other applications like uh, you know, heavy transport, planes, trains, you know, long haul, 18 wheelers, and batteries really struggle with those applications. Material handling, uh, you see plug power absolutely making a killing right now because Amazon and Walmart are working to transition their forklift fleets over to hydrogen. You know, they used to run on batteries. And so, uh, so there's definitely potential for hydrogen in those applications. And that's where we're, we are going to focus first. As we get the reliability and run life data, and you know, I can go to a customer and say, hey, we've got equipment. It's been running in the field for years. Here's how much it costs to maintain and operate. And you can project you know, what a larger system would look like. We plan on using that data to start to penetrate you know, smaller industries. It'd be like semiconductor manufacturing, which needs a lot of hydrogen and a larger industry like petrochem and uh, ammonia over time. So Trevor, one, 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 I think final question, but uh, I, I suppose it's the obvious one. So what's next for Syzygy? And, and, and I suppose, when are you uh, contemplating kind of unit rollout? So once again, you know, big asterisk before I say all this, this is if everything goes according to plan, uh, we're, we're you know, killing it right now. We're doing a great job. But uh, the world is an uncertain place, especially given you know what's happened the past few months with COVID and everything. But so everything goes according to plan. Uh, we are looking at uh, rolling out our demo unit, which is basically just a fully integrated system that makes fuel cell grade hydrogen in 2021. Uh, we're calling this Alpha, and then uh, we'll be rolling out field trials, uh, which we call Beta in 2022. Uh, the big distinction: Alpha will be you know at a Syzygy lo controlled location. Yeah, that one we're we're going to figure out, you know, what the you know right startup procedures are, you know, how often the compressor needs maintenance, et cetera. Beta is is at a customer location, and so the beta units are are MVP, you know, first true to market product. Uh, so field trials for beta in 2022, and then uh, after that, you know, full commercial release 2023 and beyond. And this timeline is really important because we see what's happening with hydrogen. We see the excitement and we see the need in the market for, you know, an ultra low cost solution that can make hydrogen compete with gasoline, that can make zero emission hydrogen available, you know, in many places around the world. And if we can successfully get this into the market by, you know, 2030, uh, be scaling up and start hitting large scale applications, you know, right after 2025, then by 2030, we see the potential uh, for for our company to help uh, abate a total of 1 billion tons of CO2. And so uh, we're calling it internally our path to 1 billion, but uh, we can hit this timeline, execute to it, start to scale, you know, achieve decent market penetration post-2025, then the potential to prevent a billion tons of CO2 cumulative from going into the atmosphere by 2030 is very possible. And after 2030, as we start to explore, you know, other applications around CO2 processing, ethylene, fertilizer manufacturing, we see the potential for this technology to, to hit full stride and start preventing a billion tons of CO2 going into the atmosphere every single year. And ultimately, you know, to tie it all back up, that's why we're here. And uh, it's it's very important that we orient the company around those kinds of goals. Trevor, thanks. Thanks very much for joining us today. Um, I think uh, I think it's hard not to be excited by uh, you know I suppose photocatalytic uh, uh, plasmonics uh, as a as a as a space after hearing the uh, the various examples and the potential that you've just outlined. So look forward to uh, to getting uh, Chris and, and Andrew's uh, kind of feedback and thoughts on on this technology and seeing how much they've learned over the course of this. <laughs> Can they repeat the this the football metaphor? Learned a lot. Yeah. Whether or not I actually, uh, whether or not I correctly understand it is a different question, right? Yeah. And I, I apologize for how technical it, it all is. It's very, no, no, yeah, it's very difficult to simplify, but it's interesting. I think in, in the most part, because this was not expected. Uh, no one was thinking, you know, photocatalysis was going to come about in this way. Uh, you know, my co-founder and I were surprised when we found the technology, you know, we got the professors to show us some of the results we were getting. We're like, okay, let's go compare this against every other photocatalyst. And whenever you look and, and it's, you know, more than a thousand times better, you're like, oh, wow, how do we use this? You know, has anyone thought about using it like this? And, you know, 
this wasn't on anybody's you know planned path, but the you know potential is absolutely there, and we have an incredible team, and you know that team is working hard every day to realize this. So, thank you very very much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you, Trevor. Patrick, what do you? What on earth are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Patrick, this was your baby. Uh, I, I think I, I said it. I said it just there. I don't know how you can't be very excited about the prospect of a full kind of capture zero waste, full you know, full efficiency system. I don't. I don't know. And also, you know, the transition to uh, like photocatalytic kind of processes and away from thermo. Uh, kind of thermal-based kind of uh, separations or thermal-based uh, kind of uh, chemical reactions or chemical separation, I should say, is is something that's just cool. Like this is something that's really really interesting, and it and it changes the it changes the dynamic around a lot of the big questions of the day, right? Like so, you know, we we all anybody who's listening to the the this podcast or anybody who's reading up about the hydrogen space right now, there's an awful lot of questions, an awful lot of debate around where does the hydrogen come from? Is it, you know, fossil fuel based or is it uh, electrolysis based? Is it renewable energy or is it grid based power? So that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we talked, we talked with folks uh, with, with Mo uh, from Biotech a couple of weeks back around, you know, sourcing, uh, you know, bio uh, or, or kind of waste, uh, natural gas or renewable natural gas systems right and then you running a, a small modular steam ref, methane reformer well this is this is another approach which is you will you no longer need to, to to generate the steam so you take a chunk of the emissions out of a out of a methane based separation system and then on the other side of it if if and as treasure trevor said um on the uh, during the call there if you can then feed that 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 carbon uh, from that methane molecule straight into another reactor to then produce a feedstock for the chemical sector, we're, we're onto a, a kind of a, a full cycle zero waste system. And that's, that's just incredibly, incredibly cool. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to be very, like, there's a lot to just be very interested in around this and the applications, as Trevor, as Trevor said, and, and Chris, you, you, you clarified with them, a platform technology that has applications in a hu- potentially a huge amount of other spaces. You know, this is something that I just think is very interesting, very cool, and, and potentially really, really important. So we'll we'll see we'll see how they go, and we'll see uh, if, as Trevor said, you know, touch wood, uh, everything everything comes through, and the and the timelines are 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 good. But uh, yeah, this is just indicative of some of the innovative um, kind of applications and technologies that are emerging in the space, and and also you know illustrating how some of these. Um, you know, kind of innovations can address some of the kind of the really challenging parts of uh, parts of the processes that we we consider today. What about you guys? How was how was your uh, introduction and tutorial to to the space? Yeah, well, uh, as you guys all know, I have my uh, my degree in plasmonics, um, so you know it all squared with with what I would have expected uh, Trevor to say. Um, but in all you know, in all seriousness. It's one of those moments, <clears throat> at least from my end, where uh, you're speaking to someone who's explaining a technology, explaining a process, and you think to yourself, "Well, why isn't the well, you know wh- why why haven't I heard of this before? This seems like uh, an amazing, uh, you know, this seems like the right solution, kind of thing, right?" So uh, from that standpoint, I mean, it was I did not know a single thing about what Syzygy did before this interview. Um, and I'm leaving it thinking, well, maybe I should go down to Houston and see what this thing looks like, right? What about you, Chris? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, so I think the way that I look at it is, um, you know, uh, I think this is very much a second, maybe even third generation um, hydrogen production technology. And by that, I mean, if you think about the timelines they're talking about, they're saying, First commercial demonstrator on a plant, if everything goes according to plan, is 2022, which means by the time they've actually had several units in the field and a year or two years of operational runtime and they've tested it and they've built kind of a unit that's half a megawatt or a megawatt, we're talking four years. So, you know, for this to be 
truly transformative and at a scale where it's going to start to sort of truly change the world is, you know, we're talking you know, at least five years if we're generous and probably more. And, and that's no bad thing. I think that's really important. But I think it is important we don't lose track of that. It's not uh, obvious to me looking at this that you're able to come out and say, um, why are we bothering with electrolysis or why are we looking at small modular reforming? We should just go straight to this. Now, I, I think it's very much this is you know, a next generation piece of the puzzle that comes down the line. Uh, I think the other piece, of course, as well, is that um, you know, it is great that they can take methane and that they can take ammonia and separate it. That's fantastic. Um, obviously, the key thing is where is that methane and ammonia coming from? You know, so I can see, for example, in the discussions which um, we had at the beginning of this call around their products, um, doing this huge um, ammonia, green ammonia site in Saudi, that you know, in the future, a technology like synergy technology could be a really good and elegant way of helping to split out ammonia at sites. That makes total sense to me, and I can absolutely see for wastewater treatment and water companies that there's a lot of logic in um, thinking about how could they in the future take the, uh, as it were, natural gas or methane that they're creating from their sites and use that not only to create hydrogen, but also to create additional green products from waste. I think all of that makes sense. Um, but in a sense, that's only a part of the market, I guess. And so it's, it, you know, it, it's kind of more like I, I came out of that call thinking this is a really interesting technology that helps to massively improve the efficiency and uh, potential uses of certain parts of the hydrogen ecosystem five years from today, I don't think I came out of that thinking this is something we could roll out today at scale and that this is going to replace other forms of solutions, if that makes sense. So very informative, very interesting. Um, I think one of those sort of things that I kind of, you probably need to keep coming back in and checking on to see where it is would be my, was my feel from the call. Yeah, just to uh, not so much kind of push back on that, but but you know, like I, I don't think if we if we had Trevor back in, he, he would be setting this up or suggesting that this is an alternative, for instance, to electrolyzers. I think I think it's a case of this has very kind of particular areas of advantage, and also by virtue of the the nature of the platform, has has broader applications, even possibly you know outside of the the hydrogen markets. So it's 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 a different it's a different position, right? From from what we have today, in that you know today we 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 have an emerging electrolyzer kind of market um, and a kind of a, a preeminent or a dominant kind of uh, steam methane uh, reforming um, kind of hydrogen production process, right? Um, and as that transitions and changes, there you know electrolyzers will improve and change and evolve in their own right, and then additionally. You know, we'll, we'll see advantages and opportunities for technologies like this that that have, you know, an an additional part of the the puzzle. And I think that's and that's a, possibly a good way of framing it. You know, we're dealing with with some of the the the, the challenges that come down the line when we start looking at at, at efficiency and we look, start looking at kind of the actual chemistry that that is required um, in in managing molecules going forward. It, it's a very interesting, cool part. It, it, it is. And look, I mean, I, 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 it is hard, as you rightly pointed out, to listen to um, the description of the technology and not be impressed by it. It is very impressive. It, it still, to me, has some, I'm still not convinced about some of the applications and I probably need to take some more time to go through them. But if I think about things like, for example, um, mobility, so decentralized hydrogen production, um, I still think that they, in many senses, this technology has a similar set of challenges to um, the pyrolysis plays that I've been hearing, which is you know, the pyrolysis guys will say, we can split hydrogen of carbon and we create carbon black and we can sell that as a commodity. Um, and then we've got the hydrogen. Great. But you then have lumps of carbon in a remote site that need to be picked up and taken somewhere. And, and whether that makes commercial sense or not, I, I, I don't think anyone knows yet. And so similarly, I kind of have the sense of it, it is great that I could use the Sysergy technology to recycle CO2 from methane in a remote area, and then I could create something like methanol from it, um, you know, or I could create um, uh, dimethyl, um, give me, I'm looking at my notes here, um, uh, dimethylene, right? You know, or various other products, but then I still have to actually create them, store them, and take them somewhere to sell them, and that's 
I still don't see why I would not just put in an electrolyzer where all I need is a water connection and a power grid connection. To me, it's still, I, I, I still am yet to see that value proposition. I'm not saying that it isn't there for some places. I'm just saying, to me, it still seems like actually this is a more interesting application where you, you can actually do this at scale. Uh, I, I see that because it is a catalytic system, it doesn't have to be a large combustor unit, which is more typical of SMR. Um, but given the sort of play of co-products, you know, for the co-product bit to be interesting and a relevant part of the story, I still think there needs to be enough scale for just the commercial distribution and storage and, and, and retailing of the product when it's created. I mean, that's my... And so then if that's not the first application, if, if distributed mobility is not the first play, what is a more natural play? Um, yeah, a, a more natural play maybe is, you know, these kinds of existing users of hydrogen where maybe you could do something more interesting with them or existing chemical sites. That sort of, I, I think, was kind of my view as I started listening through it and thinking through it. But, but is that not the same problem you'd have with, uh, with modular SMR with carbon capture attached to it? Oh, it absolutely is. I, I completely agree. Yeah, and I think that but that is also a problem with modular SMR. Right. So, so, so these are these are no, no. But like, let's let's be fair, right? So these are system challenges, hypothetically. And an electrolyzer application, absolutely, you get the you you get the the benefit of oxygen as a as a potential emission if you don't capture it. But you know, like like I think I think let's let's not split hairs on it, right? Like this is one particular uh, kind of stream and application uh, that addresses specific problem, and also you know where you have advantages for electrolyzers. Like we constantly talk about this across you know every kind of sector and market is that you know the 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 tool most appropriate is going to be the one that's ad adopted, right? And I, I think this is one of those cases where you know you're you're quite right that potentially in certain markets this won't necessarily be the application of choice, but but it's definitely something where I think it's the first time we've talked about a, a zero waste system, like where there you know bar bar potentially when you capture the the oxygen out of an electrolyzer as well, right, and, and use it, right. We're talking about a, a full capture system, and that's that's the uh, part of the intriguing part for for from my side, right? Because we're not talking about carbon capture and somewhere down the road, we get to, to utilization. We're talking about potentially co-located utilization or kind of uh, production for utilization. So it's an interesting dynamic to it. Anyway, Andrew, back to you. Well, that was a, that was a first guys. You know, it was the first uh, sort of uh, wrap up section where I haven't had to jump in. So I'm, uh, I'm thinking that this uh, may have, uh, been one of the more uh, catalytic guests we've had in terms of discussion for you guys. Is that anybody catch that play on words? I, I just chose to ignore it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Well, that was smart. All right. So good. Then we're all on the same page. All right, guys, I think we're going to have to let the listeners, uh, you know, make their conclusions and judge for themselves at this point. Everyone who's listening should send in their questions and uh, for Trevor and see what he's got to say and maybe answer some more questions about plasmonics for us yeah and check the show notes if you get stuck because um, we'll try and put some stuff up there to make it a little bit easier for everybody that does it for us today at everything about hydrogen a huge thank you to trevor best of syzygy plasmonics for joining us on the show it was a fascinating conversation and we look forward to hearing more about their work in the future Thank you, as always, to Patrick and Chris for their unparalleled co-hosting abilities and hard work on the show. And as you know, we love to hear from our listeners here at Everything About Hydrogen. If you have any questions for us or our guests and would like to get in touch with us, please send us an email at podcasts at inspiration.com or find us on Twitter at About Hydrogen. Lastly, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. It really does help us promote the show and reach a larger audience. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will join us again next time on Everything About Hydrogen.